Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights here with Mike Summer, Wax Pack Hero. We're going to talk about sorting collections, not just sorting a box, not even a case, but a collection that is a little more complicated than what most people deal with it. You have to have a lot of knowledge. You have to have a lot of uh, perseverance, energy, as well as extra time because it does take time. I've dealt with that. Mike's dealt with that on his podcast, and we're going to we're gonna iron sharpen iron here for the next 15 minutes to see what we can uh, learn from our uh, shared experience of breaking down a collection. So thanks, sponsors, Top Spinning, the Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Hugs and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, Heritage, uh, no, uh, Comsee.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. Mike, you are a card shop guy now, so you're not going to call it uh, anything to uh, compete with Mike Fruitman. <laughs> no. Uh, he's, I don't know if he's the original Mike, but you you have aspirations and you've you've bought a collection. And so we want to spend some time talking about how you're going to transition from being a, a, a serious collector to really having a dealer presence that involves having a, a larger inventory. So again, welcome to the show. Eager to hear your comments and hope we can bat this around for the benefit of our listeners. So welcome, Mike Summer. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I, I'm looking forward to the conversation. It's uh, it's quite an undertaking. I've never come across anything quite this large before. But yeah, I recently had an opportunity or was approached with the opportunity to buy out one of the LCSs in our area. He was ready to move on. And with that buyout came not just the furniture and fixtures of the store, but approximately a million cards of inventory that he had. And um, about 700,000 cards of that was unsorted in storage pretty much. And so I am just at the early stages of trying to approach and tackle this undertaking. Were the 700,000, because you know, I used to have a card store, but it's been four decades or more now. Uh, what was in the back room for us were collections that we picked up and that we hadn't had a chance contemporaneously to sort through. And so we set them aside thinking we'll get to them one of these days. And, uh, and eventually, I suppose we did. But is that what this was? So they were minimally sorted, which I think is exciting. You're really a hobbyist. Yeah, it's fun. I almost have his. Yeah, I have fun with it. It is pretty much collections that he had picked up over the last several years that he just hadn't got around to. And as you can expect, it's all over the board. I'll open up one five row and everything will be sorted by set in number order. And those are perfect for me for sport lots and things like that. It's already taken care of. And then others will just be a random pile of who knows what. And then another another paper box will be full of sealed factory sets. And so I just have all kinds of, of different things. And that makes the sorting somewhat challenging when I try to figure out the best way to get things organized based on the platform that is likely to lead me to the, the best sale or the best return of that investment. You try to every card or every group or every lot to have a home because I don't know that I, I've mentioned this on my podcast that I, I don't think cards belong in a dumpster. I don't think they belong in the ocean. Uh, they don't belong in the trash bin, but they, but you found a way to kind of uh, parse out to where you can get the cards that you don't want that are, that are slow movers for a store into the hands of somebody that would just would still enjoy them at a, at a low price. Yeah. I, I, all of those leftover cards that I like to call them the leftovers or the bulk, a lot of that I will sell locally on Facebook marketplace, 20, 25, thousand cards at a time for 50 or a hundred bucks. And there's still enough semi-stars and a few of the other mass produced stars from the eighties or nineties that people seem to, to enjoy going through those and get some value out of that as well. Okay. So basically what you're saying, if you have a monster box, so it's approximately 5,000 cards, if they're of the, of that vintage of that uh, era, uh, 5,000 cards, you're going to pre-screen the box. Yep. And you're not going to pick it clean, but you're going to be looking for things that might have exceptional value or that you could sell individually. You know, I had an experience with a monster box and it was all pro set from the 
so well, we were here in Dallas, Texas, so it's the home of ProSet, and they were they were just all over the place. And so I was ready. I wasn't going to put it in the dumpster. Like I said, it's still not dumpster worthy. But I thought, wow, this is not great stuff. And, but I thought, I'm at least going to pre-screen it. So I went through, and there were 4,999 cards there that no one wants. But I found Muhammad Ali autographed card. <laughs> Which is because otherwise I would have sold the box for five bucks. Yep. And that card was autographed on the back, actually. But you can't spend 10 hours going through a monster box. I think I said it maybe takes me an hour to go through a monster box. Was that worth it? It was only worth it because I found, well, it was worth it for two reasons. Number one, I found that card. And number two, I like cards. So I probably was watching a football game. While I was yep. spent that hour going through the mountain monster box pretty quickly. So how do you, you've got 200 monster boxes. <laughs> yes. So yeah, that's one of the things that I, I, I don't, I wouldn't say struggle with, but it's a question that I get a lot too, when it comes to buying these collections and taking the time to sort through and to break them apart into cards that I think are going to be the best for each of the different platforms that I've been involved with adding now the physical shop of things that I think we'll be able to move there. It does take a little more time to be able to put that extra layer of sorting or grouping with those. One of the questions that I get a lot is, what about your time? You're not making anything after you factor in your own time for that. And part of what I struggle with is, well, I'm still making something from that time that I'm spending doing this. Plus I enjoy it, it's my hobby. How do you put a value or maybe a premium, a discount or a premium, depending on how you wanna look at it, on that enjoyment factor when it comes to putting in the work to sort some of these collections. Is that something that you've dealt with or that you've oh, yeah. rationalized an answer to? Rationalized probably being the operative word. Basically, I've always been a hard worker. Uh, actually, I probably wasn't a hard worker till I was 18 or maybe 22. When you're a teenager, you're not necessarily a hard worker. But at some point, you realize that hard work is correlated with success. And uh, probably in grad school, I started thinking, okay, if I work a little harder, I'm going to do a little better if I do a little better. And, but I had several jobs putting myself through college. And so in that case, I had jobs that paid different dollars per hour. And I could think, if I'm doing this, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing this. And so if you carry that through to billable hours as an adult, you're realizing that, and not everything is a billable hour, you need to spend time with your family and all that stuff. But if you've got time to spend on work, then what's the replacement aspect of spending time with cards? If you've got a second job that pays you X dollars an hour, then you probably should do that. But if you don't, and you're just having a lot of leisure time and you enjoy the cards, especially the aspect, it's not just generally enjoy, enjoying the cards, it's specifically enjoying the cards. I, there are certain sets I would not, you know, you know I've some of the junk wax stuff, I really, I verify that it's all that, a set that I, that it, there's nobody good in it. And so I just set it aside. But like I say with the pro set example, there's still the chance of finding a nugget and that's, it's panning for gold. Yep. So, so I'm willing to say that my hours are worth zero because I'm not foregoing anything. My kids are all gone. My, my wife is, has, uh, we have a together life, but it's not a 24 seven together life. She has a lot of her own interests and I'm totally there for her, but there are also times when I'm just have hobby time. And if I spend, and so the question is, would I rather sort a 5,000 count box or look at cards that are my better cards? Generally, I probably spend time on the cards to that I'm looking for new stuff. Yep. So people say, do you just spend time looking at your really good cards? No, that they're already, 
segregated. They're already set aside. They're already put on a pedestal. I've got my wall of fame. I'm looking for additions to that. So my, I'm willing to say my time at certain for certain aspects, certain times of the day, certain things I'm doing, my time is worth zero. In fact, I might, it might even be negative that I pay to do it. I really enjoy looking at cards that I haven't seen. In fact, I'm going to a card show and I'm paying to look at cards. I'm actually going to buy a few, but I'm paying to look through some monster boxes. One of the other related items that comes from this topic of sorting these big collections is when do you draw that distinction of sorting versus beginning to list and beginning to put up for sale? When you when I'm dealing, what's one of the challenges that I've got right now with this million card inventory is I could be I I can't get all the way through those million cards before I start to make some of those cards available for sale. That just wouldn't make sense. Have you do you have any rules of thumb that you've used when going through some of these big collections? I okay, I do have a rule of thumb, and that's get rid of the worst stuff first. That'll lighten my load, give me a chance to find to get through the, the forest for the trees. And so, if your a million cards can be chopped down to even 200,000. If you have 800,000 that can go into your uh, Facebook marketplace or other kinds of places that don't require individual li- listing, you don't want to spend 200,000 cards to ComC. I think ComC would like that, but <laughs> they're making, you're making them wealthy, at least on, on the front end. And sport lots, there's a lot of work there. Beckett Marketplace, same thing. If the cards are in numerical order, that's, like you said, in some of, so you, but the first thing is getting rid of the, of the, of the chaff. Yep. That's what I try to do. And I've got Rich Klein down here who has a, you know, an adopt synagogue work for his, uh, that, that uh, is a charitable kind of thing. I'm not Jewish, but he's my good friend and I like helping him out. So the stuff that's, I don't even go to Facebook marketplace. I just give it to Rich and he recycles it through his show and other places. Very good. Because I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that because that's part of the approach that I've taken so far as I, actually, as I get through it. It's actually honoring your wife as well, <laughs> because a million cards is pretty daunting. I, I bought a lot that was 90,000 cards from an auction. It was actually from Huggins and Scott. So I hope you don't look through the old catalog, see what 90,000 card lot. Uh, and frankly, they don't always, the numbers aren't always accurate. But that 90,000 cards, I had to go to the shipping depot and it. I have a four-door car, a reasonably big trunk, and it was full to the gills. And so I picked mm-hmm. it up at the shipping depot and my wife did not freak out, but she said, I thought you were disposing of cards. I disposed of probably 80% of them within a week or two. And that's, like I say, my recommendation for you. If you can get rid of the, I don't know, it's not necessarily an 80-20 rule, but it's probably something like that. It's not you're going to keep every star, but there are certain players that have a following and others that don't. And the time still has value because you can have a full-time job going through that million cards. And I don't think that would be fun. It's it's better to have a kind of a part-time aspect. Yeah, I think there'll be a piece of it that serves as entertainment for me, entertainment that I get to profit from, but over the course of the next several months or even potentially up to a year as I work that in. Because yeah, that's part of the consideration that I have to have when it comes to it is still continuing to spend time with my wife and my kids and those other life commitments, my full-time day job and all of those related things as well. And so it's one of those balancing acts that I think we would deal with in the hobby. This is just one of the bigger undertakings that I've had up to this point, that's for sure. My hats off to you because, like I said, it what that what I what I came back and rationalized to my awesome wife was, if this had been no, more than ninety thousand cards, I would have had to be making s- several trips or make some other accommodation, and I wouldn't have had room to store them. And so there's physical limitations, and also there's the thought that really would take me away from other things. But if it means I'm not going to watch a movie on TV that I don't care that much about, or a, a TV show, or a sports game that is not playoffs, <laughs> I'd rather look at cards. And I'd actually rather do both. 
So I, I frequently, the problem is with, when you get up above 100,000 cards, the doing both, it can be a chore. And if it becomes a chore, I'll quit doing it. My guess is you will too. And that's the deal you need to have with your wife, you know, with your wife and kids. They come first. And if they yeah. got a problem, the cards go on the back burner. And you just, you can't, that's just the proper priorities. But yep, I, I agree. 24-7. I'm not doing 24-7 collecting. I think I did for a few <laughs> back in the day before I had a heart attack. But uh, now it's uh, trying to keep this, things in perspective. And it's it's fun to look through a bunch of cards and hope you find some good ones. And then when you find some good ones, it's finding a home for them because I'm going to be the temporary home for a lot of this, uh, a lot of this stuff. And then I'm going to, I'm going to pass it through. So your store, you have a kiosk in a store, a million cards doesn't sound like a kiosk. Yeah. So the, it's a store within a store kind of concept. And so the, the main owner of the LCS a couple of years ago, took over a second storefront and kind of merged the two storefronts into one. And as part of that, there was a separate office area in the the new storefront. And one of my friends locally here approached the original owner about opening up kind of a store within a store and kind of subleasing some of that space to have a dedicated space for him to have kind of a shop. And so we, we say it's a shop within a shop. And so that is the the space that I ultimately took over a couple of weeks ago. Somebody mentioned, so it's like you've got a permanent show set up. And I was like, that's a pretty good description because there's probably 12 to 15 tables worth of space that I've got plus this smaller office area where I've got a typical counter display and some of those types of things. And there's probably a few hundred thousand cards that are actively in there available for sale at one time. Like I said, the rest are in the back room storage, but it's not, it's a little more than a kiosk, but it's not a standalone storefront with all of the full square footage and lease and all of those things that, that go with it. It's a, a subleased arrangement type of thing. And so it's, it's a little bit of a unique setup that I'm not sure a whole lot of people are, are doing at this point. Well, I, you, don't you have a non-compete with the primary shop? The thing, so he focuses more on higher end stuff and I focus a little bit more on the lo, the mid to low end range. And the other agreement that we've got in place is that I can't sell new wax from the last five years or supplies. And yep. so most of my business will be on, if I have wax, it'll be older wax, which has been selling well as singles. The man in the house.